RT8K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Health authorities warn that a big local coronavirus community outbreak is coming. School children take an early summer break because of COVID-19. And the police raid a polling centre linked to this weekend's pandemocratic LegCo primaries. Health authorities have warned that a big COVID-19 community outbreak is coming. That's after Hong Kong reported 32 more local coronavirus cases today, with the source of infection unknown in nine of them. Dr. Chuang shuk from the Centre for Health Protection says what's happening now is worrying. In March, I think the pubs and those uh, restaurants that, that affect uh, quite a number of people, but that has not spread into the wider community. But recently, I think the cases have spread into um, quite um, widely in the community. So uh, many of them cannot be um, found um, clusters or relationships. So, so we are very, very about that. And also many of the close contacts of the affected cases also claim to have symptoms. So it is possible that more cases will come. There's a possibility of a big um, community outbreak. Eleven of the new local cases came from a public housing estate in Sha Tin. They are residents of Ming Cheng House at, Cheng, at Soi Cheng O Estate, where a 66-year-old who lives there was earlier diagnosed with the disease. Authorities say there may be environmental contamination there, but ruled out evacuating the residents, at least for now. Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker Alice Mack called for more checks on drainage systems at public housing estates. Many residents told us that when, whenever they report a case to the housing department, they take a long time to solve the problem and to deal with the problem. So that is long time lag for the possible spread of the virus. That's why we think that we urge the housing department to um, in review and to check all the pipelines, the, the pipeline system in the um, public housing estates. Meanwhile, all kindergartens and primary and secondary schools are to close down early for the summer, starting on Monday, amid the surge in COVID-19 cases. Education sector lawmaker Ip Kin Yun says that's the right move. Obviously, I think the cancellation of classes is not a very desirable situation, but facing the very difficult situation in the pandemic, I think well, we have to make a very painful decision to cancel classes. But the cancellation of classes will obviously add to the difficulties in catching up with the teaching schedule. And even the parents might have difficulties here because they have to find a way to take care of their children. The police have raided a polling centre involved with this weekend's pan-democratic primaries for the upcoming LegCo elections. Officers say their operation in Wang Chuk Hang has to do with a recent complaint that people's information, including that of the police, was leaked. Police say the computers at the Public Opinion Research Institute might have been hacked. The High Court has refused a police application to unlock the mobile phones of five veteran Democrats facing charges over the anti-extradition protests last year. Maggie Ho reports. The phones belong to former legislators Martin Lee, Albert Ho, Sin Chong Kai, Ao Nok Him and Yang Sum, who have been charged with organizing, taking part in and inciting others to join three illegal anti-government protests last year. They earlier obtained leave for a judicial review of the court warrants to search their mobile devices. During that hearing, the court also temporarily banned officers from looking at the content of their phones. 
The police had asked for the ban to be lifted, promising officers would not look at the digital content of the phone. They said they would only unlock the devices and use a computer to extract the data, and would seal it until the conclusion of the judicial review. The lawyer for the five activists, senior counsel Robert Pang, opposed the request, seeing there was no safeguard in place to ensure officers would not breach the undertaking. But the lawyer for the police said it might take months to complete the data extraction, and that it was in the interest of the public and justice that this be done with no further delay. The lawyer described it as regrettable that the five defendants do not trust the force, but said the commissioner would stand by his promises made solemnly to the court. Mr. Justice Russell Coleman said since the judicial review will be heard on August the 13th, there wouldn't be any prolonged delay to the police investigation either way, so he decided to continue with the ban. But he also stressed that his ruling was a wider balancing exercise and does not imply any lack of trust in the police. You're listening to RTHK. The time is exactly five minutes past eleven. The police have arrested seven people for allegedly helping a suspect in a police stabbing try to flee Hong Kong. A 24-year-old man was arrested last Thursday on suspicion of stabbing an officer in the shoulder during an unauthorized protest in Causeway Bay. Reports say he was hauled off a plane as it was about to leave. Five men and two women, aged between 24 and 71, were arrested on allegations that they had helped buy the man's air ticket and arranged transportation to the airport. Police say they could each face up to 10 years in prison. To other news, the government says civil servants found to have violated the proposed new oath to swear allegiance to the SAR won't be sacked immediately, but will be dealt with according to existing rules. As Damon Pang reports, Pandemocrats argue the new oath requirement is aimed at stifling dissent among staff. The civil service minister Patrick Nip. Was explaining to lawmakers in Lechko the government's proposal to require new civil servants to sign a statement declaring their allegiance to the SAR and that they uphold the Basic Law. The civil service chief says for those who violate the oath, they are to be penalized under existing legal and disciplinary mechanisms. Mr. Nip says the government's considering whether they need to be strengthened for quicker and clearer punishment against violators. He says if civil servants refuse to take the oath, officials will look into their reasons for not doing so, and it will be a factor when it comes to promotion and transfer. The minister says civil service groups are to be consulted before the proposal's implementation. Mr. Nip stressed that the civil service code states that political neutrality means they have to be loyal to the chief executive and the government of the day. Several pro-democracy lawmakers were upset with the proposal. The Democratic Party's Lam Chuk-ting says the oath is an other bid to rein in civil servants who are seen as outspoken. It's a threatening tactic to deter public servants not to express opinions which may not in line with the government's stance. I'm also worried the government may make use of all kinds of excuses to suppress all the outspoken public servants to make sure they will all be the yes men in the future. Pro-Beijing lawmakers generally agree with the new requirement. CAP lawmaker Elizabeth Quat says it should not apply only to civil servants. I think all public servants paid by public money should be loyal to the Hong Kong government, including school staff, teachers, principals, all the staff of hospital authority, etc. All the statutory bodies, all the staff should also be bound. New People's Party Chair Regina Ip agrees that workers paid by public coffers should be bound by the requirements. 
Political and business heavyweights bade farewell to the late casino tycoon Stanley Ho at his funeral today. Priscilla Ng reports. Rows after rows of wreaths lined the funeral hall. They came not only from local social and political elites, but also the country's current and former leaders, including President Xi Jinping, Premier Li Keqiang, Vice Premier Han Zheng, as well as former premiers Zhu Rongji and Wen Jiabao. The pallbearers included Chief Executive Carrie Lam, former leader Tong Shi Hua, former Macau CE Edmund Ho, and Deputy Director of the Liaison Office Tan Tianyu. In his eulogy, Mr. Tung described Mr. Ho as a businessman and philanthropist who loved the country, Hong Kong and Macau, and thanked him for his contributions over the years. A former head of the University of Hong Kong, Professor Choi Lap Chi, expressed his gratitude to the casino magnate for his commitment to improving the quality of local universities. One of Mr. Ho's sons, Lawrence Ho, thanked everybody who attended the funeral, saying his father would be dearly missed. The gambling magnate died on May the 26th at the age of 98. He will be laid to rest at a private cemetery on Mount Davis. Beijing says it will impose tit-for-tat measures on the United States after Washington announced sanctions on China over its policies in Xinjiang. The U.S. has targeted top Xinjiang officials. The BBC's Stephen McDonnell reports from Beijing. First, Washington imposed an asset freeze and visa ban on senior Chinese officials, said to have been involved in the mass detention of mostly ethnic Uyghurs who've been sent to a network of re-education camps in the far western Xinjiang region. The US ban includes their families and has been extended to Chen Trangguo, the Xinjiang Communist Party chief, who's also a member of China's 25-person Politburo, which oversees the party. Foreign Ministry spokesman Jali Zhen said this was serious interference in China's affairs and that his government would impose reciprocal measures on those from the US behaving badly on the question of Xinjiang. The Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has warned that the chances of a nuclear confrontation have gone up sharply. He gave the warning at a virtual international conference. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. Sergei Lavrov made it clear that Russia wants to negotiate a new arms control treaty with the United States, but he said it was unlikely the New START treaty would be renewed when it expires next February. The treaty aimed to halve the number of strategic missile launches. President Trump has already pulled out of the INF treaty to eliminate medium-range nuclear missiles and is looking to withdraw from the Open Skies Treaty, allowing surveillance overflights in military areas. He accuses Russia of violations. Washington also wants China to commit to arms reduction, which it shows no signs of doing. A high-profile gangster in India has been killed by police the day after he was arrested. Officers say Vikas Dube was shot after trying to escape when the police vehicle he was travelling had an accident. He'd been on the run for nearly a week after his gang shot dead eight policemen in Uttar Pradesh. From Mumbai, the BBC's Nikhil Inamdar has more details. As per the police version, he stole a policeman's gun, refused to surrender and tried to flee, which is why he was shot at. But the opposition parties refute this claim, however, as they had been urging that he stand trial in front of the court, given a huge number of cases, everything ranging from extortion to murder against him and his alleged links with police and other politicians. 
To sports now, the draw for the Champions League quarterfinals and semi-finals has been made. It'll be Real Madrid or Manchester City taking on Lyon or Juventus. Napoli or Barcelona versus Chelsea or Bayern Munich. Leipzig battling Atletico Madrid and Atalanta facing Paris Saint-Germain. Those matches will be played from August the 12th to the 15th, followed by the semi-finals and the final on August the 23rd. Lisbon will host this mini-tournament. And now it's time for a look ahead to the weekend's English Premier League action with the BBC's John Bennett. Norwich City will become the first team to be relegated from the Premier League this season if they lose against West Ham. Despite playing some attractive football, they've struggled all season and their fans will be especially disappointed with their performances since the restart, losing all five of their league matches, scoring only one goal. It's a crucial game for West Ham, who are only three points clear of the drop zone. Staying in the relegation battle, Watford are level on points with West Ham going into their game against Newcastle United, who were thrashed by Manchester City midweek. Meanwhile, Bournemouth and Aston Villa are currently alongside Norwich in the bottom three. Villa will feel the game against out-of-form Crystal Palace is a must-win. And Bournemouth host fourth-placed Leicester City, who are part of the other dramatic aspect of this Premier League run-in, the race to finish in the top four and qualify for the Champions League. Leicester, Chelsea, Manchester United and Wolves are all aiming to finish in the final two spots below Liverpool and Manchester City. Sheffield United may also have an outside chance and they're at home to Chelsea. Manchester United in fifth face Southampton on Monday and Wolves are at home to Everton. That was the BBC's John Bennett reporting. And now to the story of an American sprinter who briefly appeared to have smashed the 200-metre world record. But Noah Lyles was left disappointed after it became clear he hadn't run far enough. Despite facing a strong headwind, he finished a race in Florida in a record-beating time. But he'd been put in the wrong lane and had in fact only run 185 metres. Commentators were dumbfounded when the record time was shown. I cannot be right. The exact same thing. <laughs> wow. 18.91. That's that cannot be right, can it? We've now been told that he started the yeah, wrong start more. line uh, and ran 185 metres into a headwind and ran 18.9. Make of that what you will. Lyles later tweeted, You can't be playing with my emotions like that. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Health authorities warn that a big local coronavirus community outbreak is coming. School children take an early summer break because of COVID-19. And the police raid a polling centre linked to this weekend's pan-democratic LegCo primaries. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. A Hong Kong University microbiologist has called on the government to boost and improve its quarantine facilities to try and stem the spread of the coronavirus. Dr Sridhar Siddharth told Jim Gould that the current wave of COVID-19 outbreak in the SAR is worrying. He believes there are undetected chains of transmission going around in the community. Oh, it's quite worrying. I think we are still in the early days of this wave of the uh, epidemic in Hong Kong. And uh, time will tell, but uh, for the first few days, it really seems to be matching in severity to the uh, outbreak in March. Is there any evidence that the virus has become more contagious? 
Right. Well, uh, there have been some genetic analyses for this virus in different countries showing that there has been emergence of a particular mutation called the D614G mutant. Um, there, the, uh, the jury is still out as to how important this is as far as transmission and uh, severity of infection is concerned. All we know for the moment is it certainly makes the virus grow more efficiently in test tube conditions in the laboratory. But uh, the evidence about whether this makes the virus more infectious is uh, actually lacking at the moment. Hmm. Um, what do you think may have happened to, to cause the cluster of cases at the public housing estate in Shatin? Right. Well, I would say that it is uh, probable that there are undetected chains of transmission going on in the community. Uh, originally, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that the current wave was originated from imported cases. And uh, basically, it's a case of uh, uh, one person infecting a few others, and they in turn infect a few others. And the nature of the disease as to how, uh, how, as to how many asymptomatic patients you have and also a lot of mildly symptomatic cases makes it very easy for the virus to transmit rapidly. So from having no cases, you suddenly have a situation where you have a few hundred. So that's just the nature of COVID-19 and how infectious it is. So if the current wave was caused by, uh, if it was brought in from outside, uh, does that mean we need to you know, tighten controls and quarantine? Well, uh, that would definitely have to be looked at. I, I think one of the issues in Hong Kong is that uh, when you talk about quarantine of people coming in from overseas, there's only so much you can do as far as home quarantine is concerned because Hong Kong are housing estates being, you know, relatively cramped and uh, people living in relatively crowded conditions. When we talk about home quarantine, it's difficult to be 100% effective. So the government has to look at uh, how to actually tighten this uh, potential route of importation and uh, to uh, you know consider improving the quarantine facilities we have both for in terms of capacity as well as comfort for um, you know uh, people coming in from overseas. So what do you think about the early closure of the local schools as a means of helping to prevent the further spread of the virus? Right. It's uh, actually part of the standard infection control bundle when we have uh, respiratory infections going on in the community is to actually close down schools early. This is not just to protect the children, but also because children uh, have the potential, you know, to spread it to their family members as well. So given, the fact, given that school closures were coming up quite soon anyway for the summer break, it makes perfect sense to close it a bit early. So I would say that, that that's a sensible thing to do. There are renewed social distancing measures uh, returning for restaurants and bars and clubs from tomorrow. Um, can we expect more of the same, like uh, people going back to working from home and so on? I think we can. I, I, and I think this is uh, definitely the new normal for the uh, near future in that you're going to have these uh, lift and suppress cycles in Hong Kong because COVID-19 is raging across the world. And you're going to have definitely have people coming in from overseas to Hong Kong all the time. So you're going to see these episodic uh, uh, outbreaks in Hong Kong. And uh, every time we have this kind of a situation where we have a lot of clusters flaring up at the same time, the way to go forward is to suppress um, is to is to basically impose the uh, social distancing, physical distancing, uh, universal mask usage, uh, public education on mask wearing, and uh, you know the restri restrictions on restaurants, bars, karaoke's, etc. Until things settle down again, and then we can lift the uh, restrictions. So we're going to see these lift and suppress cycles for the near future. There's no doubt about it. 
The sudden death of the mayor of Seoul has shocked the country. Park Won Soon was found dead on a wooded hill late last night, hours after his daughter reported him missing. The 64-year-old built his career as a reform-minded politician and self-described feminist, but he had reportedly been implicated in a sexual harassment complaint. RTHK Seoul correspondent Frank Smith told Anna Marie Evans that Mr Park is believed to have taken his own life. Well, uh, the mayor left his residence at about uh, 5.20 last night and uh, a few hours later he was reported missing by uh, his daughter. And then uh, at about 12.20 uh, this morning he was found uh, at the uh, base of a, a mountain and it's presumed that he committed suicide after a search involving seven, several hundred um, police officers, including dogs. Um, he was uh, under suspicion, or there were allegations of uh, sexual harassment of a, a former secretary, and more information about that is, is coming out. Um, he is alleged to have sent and received uh, or, or sorry, just sent and uh, requested in return of seeing images and messages to a former secretary who had reached out to, to others for, for help. And there were others uh, apparently in the mayor's office that, that had also um, um, received inappropriate overtures uh, from the mayor. Uh, she quit and uh, subsequently sought treatment. So there is this kind of serious cloud hanging over this. This was this complaint, official complaint that the police was made two days before um, his apparent suicide. Um, he, you know, it's, it's kind of odd because he is a, was a, a very strongly associated with, with civic activism here in South Korea. He was jailed in the 1970s um, in promoting democracy um, in South Korea and then went on to enter uh, civic activism. He had a law firm, became a civic activist, the leader of a, a very large NGO here called People Solidarity for Participatory Democracy. Um, so really the political community here in South Korea is, is reeling with this development. Now, you say he was a sort of quite an ardent social activist. He, he went to jail for that, um, or against South Korea's authoritarian rule at the time. Um, but he also um, was, you know, it's, you know, it's it's interesting at the moment that, as you say, that he's possibly was being investigated for sexual harassment uh, issues um, because he actually was seen as a feminist furthering the cause of women. Yes, uh, you know, he he actually represented. Korean women victims of war crimes at the Women's International War Crimes Tribunal. So promoting women uh, in South Korea and women's human rights was was really um, uh, high on his agenda. Um, there will be a five-day funeral and an altar set up uh, at City Hall. He did leave a note. It said uh, mostly sorry and goodbye uh, to his family, and it made no mention of these allegations. This does carry some sort of political repercussions here, because now we have three members of the ruling Democratic Party that have been involved in sort of the Me Too movement. In April, the Busan mayor resigned after an employee uh, made uh, allegations of inappropriate sexual, sexual behavior. In South Chungcheong province, the governor resigned and is now serving three and a half years for sexual assault 
of his secretary. So there's some pressure on the big Democratic Party to respond to these repeated um, um, sexual uh, inappropriate behavior, you know, allegations and, and um, crimes, essentially. ABS-CBN, the Philippines' largest media network, will continue to stay shut after lawmakers rejected its franchise application. The broadcaster, which has been critical of President Rodrigo Duterte, was taken off the air two months ago, a day after its franchise lapsed. ABS-CBN can appeal the decision within the next 24 hours. Earlier, a reporter for the network, Mike Navallo, told BBC that the channel wasn't involved in any major wrongdoing. Well, ABS-CBN is saying that uh, they've been compliant with all the regulations that have been imposed in its franchise. And if there are violations, these violations can be addressed without having to deny the network its franchise. For instance, labor issues or tax evasion issues. And in fact, you have some regulatory agencies here in the Philippines saying that ABS-CBN has paid its taxes. It's been compliant, as well as the other issues issues like labor issues, but some lawmakers are making the case that it's not really them who determines whether there were violations, but it's really the congressmen, the lawmakers who will decide for themselves. And so now it's really a numbers game, whether or not ABS-CBN will be able to muster the number of votes needed to pass a new franchise. There have been quite a few suggestions that one of the big issues here is is your network's refusal to run campaign ads for uh, President Duterte in the last elections. Is that a factor, do you think? Well, that's been one of the major factors because since the president was elected in 2016, it's been targeting the network, saying that uh, ABS-CBN uh, did not air his ads and that they accused the network of swindling him. But uh, ABS-CBN has been able to explain that that refers to an ad in the regional uh, division of ABS-CBN, not the national division, which aired all its ads. And in fact, there were other uh, politicians whose ads were not, in fact, aired because of space limitations. And so ABS-CBN has offered to return the money ABS-CBN has apologized, and the president has supposedly accepted the uh, apology. But right now, uh, we're waiting, we're seeing if uh, that uh, acceptance of apology will result in the passage of this new franchise. Because even though the executive is separate from the legislature here in the Philippines, the uh, thinking of the, of the many here is that the president has control over the House of Representatives and Congress. A group of British Pakistani doctors are using new technology and what they've learned from fighting the coronavirus in the UK to help their counterparts in Pakistan who are trying to tackle the disease. Using what they call telemedicine portals, they've been holding patient consultations and even virtual intensive care rounds. The BBC's Sekunda Kamani reports. 95 is acceptable saturation, isn't it? No, no, uh, are 91% yeah, so I, I think, I think as, as long as you keep him prone, because... From his home just outside London, Dr. Tahir Akhtar is helping treat a coronavirus patient in Lahore. Via video link, a doctor there shows him around the intensive care ward at Jinnah Hospital and talks through the cases. Okay. Dr. Tahir hopes his experience can help the country of his birth. Because of our relationships, both in medicine and otherwise in Pakistan, it was very important for us to help our colleagues and to help the people of Pakistan. The project has been created by another UK-based doctor, Sohail Chugtai. In Pakistan, COVID-19 is spreading like wildfire, and we haven't got resources there to really plug the gaps of service. So any skill, any special skill from UK would be warmly welcome in Pakistan. Over the past month, 
under-resourced hospitals in Pakistan have come under intense pressure, and it seemed they wouldn't be able to cope when lockdown restrictions were lifted towards the end of May. But in the past two weeks, in some places, they've noticed a major decrease in admissions. Four weeks ago, we didn't have enough oxygen and two or three patients were sharing through the same oxygen port. And now, some wards are completely empty. Dr. Amara Khalid works at Mayo Hospital in Lahore. She and her colleagues are trying to work out whether a new targeted lockdown by the government is working or if residents are simply not going to hospital because of the spread of conspiracy theories that doctors are killing off patients. Even the patients who were coming, they were scared and they would want to go home and, you know, they were reluctant to get admission in the hospital because of the fear that people have. But the cases have definitely declined as well. Prime Minister Imran Khan's government says its measures are working. He has repeatedly opposed a full lockdown, warning the country's poorest will be too badly affected. Officials insist the fatality rate is much lower than in the West. According to official statistics, that's right. But at graveyards in the country's two largest cities, we've obtained data suggesting there's been a significant rise in burials this June compared to last year that can't be accounted for by recorded coronavirus deaths alone. But with testing rates low and some unwilling or unable to seek medical treatment, it's perhaps only in these graveyards the true impact of the pandemic can be measured. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. For a safe and healthy living environment, owners should not alter the drainage systems of buildings on their own. They must ensure proper maintenance of drainage pipes and should appoint qualified professionals or contractors for regular inspection and arrange early repair if seepage or defects are found. They may apply for loans or subsidies from the Buildings Department and the Urban Renewal Authority. Visit bd.gov.hk for details. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to This is Nostalgia. Nostalgia all the way until 1 a.m. And I, I'm your host, Ray Cudero. Liberace at the piano.
There you are. Liberace at the piano. And, of course, uh, the famous Over the Rainbow. Let's welcome Jim Reeves. I love 